everyone, and welcome to another episode of Between Two Studs. I'm Alex Stud. And I'm Ron Stud. Ron, episode 12. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good yourself. I'm doing great. Now, listen, I know last week when we had Adam on, I told you you had to bring your A game. We have to bring our A game today, too. I don't know if you know this. The, the person we're speaking with is a world champion. I've heard. World champion. So... That's awesome. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about a lot of fun things, but I just want to make sure, Ron, you're mentally prepared. I know you just took a sip of booze. Are you Are you ready? I'm going to try to do the best that I can. I'm excited. I'm excited. Good. This will be a good episode. Yeah. You know what, too? Uh, we've, we've got our website up, too. Let's uh, make sure to let everyone know about that. It's two studs, T-W-O-S-T-U-D-D-S dot com. Our email address is between at two studs. And, and what do you recommend if someone wanted to send us an email? Like, is it what are they supposed to send us? They're supposed to send us anything, be it fan mail or uh, complaints. I guess that's cool too. Uh, or if you're interested in becoming a guest on our show, feel free to reach out. We'd love to hear wherever you are. If you want to be on our show, let us know. We'd be happy to have uh, a lot of guests come on. So I like that. If we have any good guests or uh, good questions, we can definitely uh, read them out Ooh. on the on the program. Yeah, that- yeah, that'd be and really actually, good. I would love to read some hate mail as well if we get any. I'd love to read hate mail on this podcast. I mean, worst case, maybe I can fabricate some <laughs> just just for shits and giggles, right? True. Hey, without further ado, why don't we right. why don't we let's, bring let's on why don't we bring on our guest, Lori Ike? How you doing? Hi, I'm great. Hey, Lori, thank you for joining. A pleasure to be here. This is a real privilege, Lori. An honor. You are our first guest from Chicago. I mean, I know you're not from Chicago, but we met, you and I met in Chicago. We sure did. And we've had, I think you're our eighth or ninth guest. Everyone else is from all over the, all over the rest of the country, actually all over. We had one guest from Singapore, but you're the first from Chicago. So for that, I don't know. I I didn't prepare you for this. I didn't at all, but Ron and I, in your honor, are going to have a shot of Malort to you, Lori. To you, Lori, the world champion. Cheers. Cheers. All right. How the heck do you know us? How do you know me? So Alex, my at my company that I work at called Dialogue Tech, there was a time in the past where we were hiring and we were hiring for a position that you were really well suited for and I got to interview you and it was the most delightful interview. We had a great rapport and I was like, why don't we, we should probably work with this dude. And then we did. It was great. We worked together for a while. We had uh, we had really great times. We had shenanigans. We had some really great chats in the kitchen. While our time at Dialogue Tech has ended together, we are still friends, which is great because that's 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 how life works. And I couldn't be happier <laughs> to know you now. That's weird. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. That's very kind. All right. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself. Areas of interest. I know that you mentioned already that you're a world champion, but in what mystical art or sport is that? Uh, yeah, I play ultimate frisbee, and it's been like nice. a few years since I've like played on the national stage. But I guess it's been a few years since anybody's played frisbee because sports got canceled last year. Uh, this I've said this to you before: once a world champion, always a world champion. Always. Oh, I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah. So I, I've I've had the. I just I feel like I'm really lucky to have um, gotten the, op- the opportunity to play at the at the world level. 
for Team USA and for um, for club teams as well internationally. It's really fun. And and so that's where it's like, you know, I got to play sports as an adult. Like not a lot of people get to do that. So I feel really fortunate on that front. But um, I like a lot of stuff. I love doing stuff. I love fitness. I love sports. I love music. I I love the lake. I love Chicago. I love bars. I just love stuff. Got dogs. I love those dogs. I can vouch for every one of these things. If there was one person who would come into the office every day with more energy than me, it was Lori. Awesome. And I've heard you love video games too. Oh yeah. I really love video games, especially during the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we will definitely get into that, especially uh, some of your experiences with Animal Crossing. Oh yeah. Now let's, let's get into another important question. What Mm -hmm. are you, what are you drinking right now? Ooh, so this, I'm actually double fisting right now. I've got a liter of water. And, there you go. And I've also got uh, a Pinot Noir from Oregon. It's called Thor's Well Devil's Churn. I obviously bought it for name alone. <laughs> and it's delightful. It's very delicious. And I, I'm, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of Pinots from Oregon. They're a little bit lighter than California Pinots. And they are like kind of, like, I feel like they're closer to the French tradition. Uh, California Pinots kind of tend to drink a little bit heavier, more like a almost a cab. And I'm like, what? This isn't a Pinot. It's like syrup. Sure. That's how I feel about wine. So that's that's what I'm drinking right now. But the water, it's because honestly, I've been paying attention to my recovery. And I have this, I have a fitness app, fitness tracker here. Uh, I, I got a whoop. It's a fitness tracker. Yep. Whoop. Okay. Yeah, it's a whoop. Um, but it tells me every morning how, how well I slept and what my recovery is. And uh, if I, it's telling me lately, like, hey, on days that you're well hydrated, you recover really well. And on days that you say you're not hydrated, your recovery sucks. So I was like, oh, data, I'll take it. And uh, now I'm drinking more water. So cool. Whoop, there it that's is. That's applying data. That's, that's yeah. what that is. So you're, just, drink, you're drinking some Pinot. Ron, mm-hmm. what, do you, what do you got over there? Uh, so today I've got some single barrel Knob Creek and, um, it's quite tasty and, um, eh, just good go-to, but I have to say, Lori, I love the, you got to say the name of that, uh, wine again, just so that Ooh. I, cause it's, it just has so much bravado. Like yeah. nobody just lightly says, nah, let's name this Thor's, Thor's whatever. Thor's well, right. devil's churn. When you have my goodness, you have Thor and Devil in the same, all in the know, same. Right? Do you want to know what the back says? It says, "On a remote yes. stretch of the Oregon coast, there is a spectacular force of nature known as Thor's Well. Awe-inspiring waves from the Pacific Hammer, this giant geological chasm, creating an ebb and flow of dramatic splendor. Our Thor's Well Pinot Noir erupts on the palate with magnificent cherry and earth aromas. Who wouldn't buy that?" That's great. That is a great statement about your wine. But it also sounds like a really good pitch for the next Thor movie for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm into it. Thor's well. Yeah. yeah I, Just I, when you thought the world was safe, <laughs> Thor's well explodes into the world. I would watch that. I would absolutely watch that. I, I well, would too. you know, and you got to pair it with the wine. I've, mm-hmm. I've, I've been watching the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I've been going through it, the whole thing. And if there's one thing when I've seen Thor. The one thing I'm saying this is missing is the state of Oregon. Every time I go, Hannah, my wife, I, there's no Oregon in this in this movie. So, you know. Well, and when I watch it, I'm like, what wine would I pair with this? <laughs> Thor as well. Obviously. Yeah. 
But Alex, tell me what you're drinking. Well, you know, I, I have a feeling that we have a loyal audience in Scotland. And so because of that, I decided for all the Scotsmen out there, I'm going to have some, some scotch. So I'm not drinking anything too fancy tonight. I'm drinking uh, double black. Johnny Walker double black. I think it's an excellent nice. drink to have on the rocks uh, for me. So that's what I'm having. Very nice. It's fantastic. But when it comes to our guests coming on, we always like to ask our guests a little bit about, you know, their interest into the world of art. So be it a song, movie, book, painting, tell us about a piece of work of art that really speaks to you or really represents you. Yeah. Yeah. I'd have to say it's, it's the pitch perfect soundtrack. Ooh. Please continue because I don't I, I don't have I've never seen Pitch Perfect. I don't know anything about Pitch Perfect Ooh. other than other than most women I know uh, that were that I know like that movie. But I don't know. Any, I don't even know. Is it like is it like High School Musical? Is it I mean, I'm not being funny. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I've never seen High School Musical, but Pitch Perfect is amazing. It's so I I grew up in a world where I was in all of the bands and all of the choirs and all of the music things I could possibly be in. So obviously I was an acapella choir. I was in show choir. I was in all of those things. And so mm. when I got to college and I really wanted to be in an acapella choir, but then it turns out I'm actually not that good at singing. Um, <laughs> I was like, oh, Ooh. I guess I don't get in. That's fine. So I just played a lot of sports instead, but that's fine. But I, I've always like seen acapella choir as like, this is the coolest thing ever. And I'm pretty sure now looking back that it's not, but when Pitch Perfect came out, it's acapella choirs at a college. And I was just like, yes, I'm living the dream here. And it's really fun. And honestly, lately, recently, I, you know, I was like cooking dinner or something. And I was like, hey, Google, play the Pitch Perfect soundtrack. And I realized that I had so much fun because I just sing it front to back. I know the whole thing, obviously. Um, I, I sing along with the movie when I sing. I, it, I, I am so elated when this music is a part of my life and a part of my aura that it is, it is a part of me. Do the lyrics in particular speak to you or is it just, you I mean, love- it's, it's pop music. So yes, absolutely. Okay. I, so I, I honestly, I didn't know that. I didn't even, I thought it was original music. So it's not mm. like, it's not like a, a original score. Not really. No, it's, it's, it's like acapella versions of pop music. Hmm. But real fun. It's real fun. So it's it's closer to like Glee. Mm-hmm. Definitely I, closer to Glee. I know Glee. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I think the reason that I feel so, like, I think that this really defines me, it, it's less of the, like, what the words are saying. It's more of the spirit of the whole thing mm-hmm. where your entire mm-hmm. world is engulfed by music and there's music everywhere and you're always singing. That's that's how I live. I don't den- doubt that for a second. I think if if you had your druthers, the world we, we would come into the office every day post COVID, and we would sing to one another. Mm-hmm. So absolutely, that, that makes perfect sense to me. I mean, I I already do that sometimes. We get on a call and I just start saying hello. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's the world. It's the world. Oh, I love it. I love it. Hey, good news, Lori. You passed the fire round. I know it was, you it did was it. so quick. It, it was so quick, you didn't even notice. Wow. What do I win? You know, you're the second person to ask. Uh, I don't know. Ron, we have... We're, 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 we're still in the process of trying to get stuff stood up. So someday we'll, uh, we'll give you a bumper sticker or something that says, uh, 
I survived being on this show. That's the dream. Hey, That's quickly, dream. quickly, because it, it's not a bad thing at all, but we do hear a little barking in the background. Tell us about yeah, your dog. Just- no, no worries. Talk. Tell us about your dog. Oh, you want to hear about my dogs? Okay. I have two dogs. Their names are Stitch and Porkchop. Porkchop from Doug? Porkchop from Doug, yes. Because my life partner, JJ, is like Doug funny. And Porkchop is is Porkchop. He is a dog that skateboards and knows everything. It's great. He's a really cool dog. He hangs out. And then Stitch is, yes, she is Stitch. She is Stitch from Lilo and Stitch, and I'm Lilo. And, you know, she's she sort of kind of wrecks everything she touches. Um, and that, that that's her. That's great. And, and there's a scene in Lilo and Stitch where Lilo gives Stitch, like, a baby bottle full of caffeine. Mm. And then Stitch goes and quits it, assembles some blocks and turns them into, into like, this magnificent sculpture. And Lilo's like, oh, San Francisco. And then Stitch goes, wah, and goes, wah, wah, wah. And then, like, like, like Godzilla's over it. And that is my dog. I love it. Now we know. Now, um, before we go on, because mm-hmm. you've talked to us about your dogs, but this is important. Tell us what breeds they are. That's a Or just describe them. It's a great question. So Stitch is a boxer healer mix. They're both rescue dogs. Okay. So this is all just based on like, you know, some internet DNA tests that we gave them. Sure. Stitch is a boxer healer mix and she's got like some bulldog. I don't know. But like the boxer is real. She punches us a lot. And I say us <laughs> and I mean JJ. She punches JJ a lot. And then Porkchop is like every dog. He's like every dog mixed into one. The, the DNA test was inconclusive. But the list of things all said terrier, like Scottish terrier, English terrier, Yorkish terrier, all of the things. And I was like, okay. So he's just like every dog. He's a mutt. Yeah. I love it. He's pretty cool. But he's got this little crooked tail and he's got like a bow tie on his chest. It looks like he's he's very dapper. He's dapper. We all want to hear about the pets and see them. And in our minds, we want to think about, okay, are, are your dogs, you know, is Porkchop, you know, a massive uh, Mastiff or something? Or is, uh, you know, no, is he's a cute little, Stitch a poodle? No, Porkchop's like 30 pounds and he's like black with okay. brown brindle and Stitch is brown with black brindle. And she's yeah. like 40 pounds. They're just, they're both just really cute dogs. And they have ears that go bloop. If you think about bloop and whatever that shape of ear is, that's what they do. They have ears that go bloop. Yeah. I know that shape. I know that yeah. shape. Hey, Boop. I know Blue. Lori, because I know we could spend a whole episode talking about your dogs. Sure. But I, but I want to go back in time. And I mean both literally and figuratively. Ooh. I want to talk about um, your days in Cambridge, Massachusetts. You studied earth sciences and geophysics at MIT. Tell us why geology rocks. Yeah. Geology is awesome. When I got to college and still, uh, I was like, I don't know what I want to do with my life. I don't know what I want to study. I like everything. Everything's fun and everything's great. So it actually turns out that geology is every science ever all packed into one. You need chemistry. You have geochemistry. You need physics as a geophysics. You need to understand how the rocks interact with each other. You've got biology with all the fossils. You've got so much going on. But the main thing is the whole thing is a big jigsaw puzzle. If you think of like mm-hmm. what happens when tectonics happen, it you start with this perfect, perfectly assembled jigsaw puzzle, and then you come and just smash the shit out of it, right? But just like like the earth is just smashing into itself, just going like whack, 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 and it's turning, it's just making a giant mess. And your job as a geologist is to reassemble that perfectly flat thing and figure out how it that mess happened. It's just solving a puzzle. It's super fun. Um, so that's what I like. Also. You get to be outside all the time. 
And that's why geology rocks. I love it. I've got a quick follow-up and then I got another question for you. So with what you know as a geologist and your training with that, what's like the biggest thing that you see in movies or in other portrayals where you're just like, no, that's not how that works. And you're just like, those people, they're trying. God bless them. But they just don't understand. There's a lot of movies that kind of hint at like being able to really predict earthquakes and 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 they sort of were like oh we've got math on this i'm like uh that was that was my grad school thesis my grad school research was kind of around this you just can't like we can kind of say where it's gonna happen we're not gonna give you like a five minute warning that an earthquake (laughs) is about to happen that's not that's not within the realm of possibilities at least it wasn't when I was in grad school. It's been a while since I've been doing that research. But sure. So you're telling me when they when they kind of have their their uh, watch up and they go, it's gonna come, it's gonna happen. Here we go. Three, two. You're set. The pressure's been building. You're... It's reality. It's not reality. Also, anytime you tunnel into the earth, like farther than I don't know five miles or so, it's like it's just it's just not gonna. It's not real. And I can't remember the actual depth that you can go, uh, but it's it's compared to the actual depth of the Earth, it's real, it's real like tiny. It's real tiny. Yeah, I want to say like what's the the Kola borehole? It's like it's in Russia. It's the deepest drilled hole, and it was like the Soviet Union was uh, I don't know trying to find the land of the lost or something, and uh, it the funds ran out. But yeah, they, they got pretty far. Well, you can go for a while and that's, you know, how like oil happens, but it's just, it's at at some point. And and I'm trying to remember what the actual, actual depth, the like max, max drill depth is. And it's not a thing, but like the actual radius Europe is like 6,000 kilometers or something crazy. So like, there's just, you're you're just never going to get close. So yeah, this one said the greatest depth that they got to with it, thanks to the power of the internet. 7.6 7.6 miles. I was so close. Which, wait, so in the movie The Core, when they literally go to the core, that's Ooh, not no. real? <laughs> we watched no. that movie, like the whole geology department went and watched that movie. And it was it was the, the greatest theater experience ever because they would just say things and then everyone would just start laughing. We did a lot of terraforming in Animal Crossing, right? So there was developing the island, uh, moving things around, building mountains. We're practically geologist experts, right? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Um, yeah. Actually, uh, my own Animal Crossing island, I, I've actually nuked and restarted my Animal Crossing game like four times. Um, but my, Good for you. But my first island, I was like, you know what I need here is a whole dig site for fossils. And so mm. I actually made a whole canyon where you could like, and it was all dirt and you could go and I like my friends could come over and like dig for fossils in my canyon, which was pretty cool. Um, and I just buried all the fossils I had over there, which was fun. And then my next go around, I was like, you know what I need? It's the Grand Canyon. And I made like mm. a big old, I just made this giant thing with like the Colorado River flowing through. Yeah, it was uh, like, it basically made Horseshoe Bend. Yeah. Awesome. But yes, absolutely. We are geologists. If you listen to Blathers' uh, explanations about all of the dinosaurs. I never do. Uh, you never should, because those are great. Hmm. And and all of the fossils, everything about the fossil record, like the ammonite, the ammonite one is great. Because like, yes, the ammonite is an indicator fossil. So it, 
when you pick up an ammonite in the in the real world, you're like, yes, this is from the Cretaceous. And that that's like something you just know as as a geologist. You're like, yes, this is an indicator fossil. I know that this whole layer of rocks is Cretaceous. Now I can actually do cool timestamps on everything around it because I know when this particular layer of rock got laid down because of this great ammonite. And that shows up in Animal Crossing. So I'm gonna Thanks, be completely Nintendo. I'm gonna be completely honest, Lori. Mm-hmm. Part of the reasons I never listened to Blathers, I would just keep hitting the button, is because mm-hmm. I just thought it was all made up. I thought it was all just fake. No, That's it's actually, all real. Like no. I feel kind of dumb. Real. That was actually like real historical. And like when I catch a bug too, like what they uh-huh. say about the bug is real. Probably, yeah. although he hates bugs, so he's only saying the things that he hates about the bugs. But they're, I think it's true things. It's like all of the legs. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, of course you hate all the legs. But listen to how many legs this bug has. Like, oh man, yeah. no, I want to say. Um, I want to say it was the Monterey Bay Aquarium was actually doing like live broadcasts where they were actually talking about like all the various animals in Animal Crossing. And um, they were actually educating kids because they were like, okay, you can't come to our place, but guess what? You can come to our island. And they were doing like a Twitch stream did, and they were talking about did that. Did you know that your frog characters in Animal Crossing, uh, they usually, they won't ever, they don't like it when you give them an umbrella and they will regularly just stand outside in the rain. They are cool if you hand them a leaf. A leaf umbrella is cool, but other umbrellas are like, no, I like the rain. And it's true. In real life, frogs love the rain. Hmm. And will frogs in real life, if you give them a leaf, will they will they use the leaf as an umbrella? I don't know, but you should try it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, so now I feel like I need to, as you said, nuke my world and start over again and actually listen when I donate things to Blathers. Mm-hmm. I got to do it. All yeah. right. And you got to go back too, because there's Mario stuff has just come out. Oh, I didn't even know that. So there we go. Yeah, so you can like you can like have a little warp pipe going from one part of the island to the other. So so Lori, so it sounds like Ron and I, because we played hours and hours and hours, uh, we get glorified. You were a geologist stickers, but you were a actual real geologist out of college, right? Like I was. Tell us about that. What was, what was that? And there must be some crazy stories about that or fun ones at least. Yeah. So, so what's interesting is that like geology in college is awesome and geology in the real world kind of sucks. Um, <laughs> geology. So, so that's the thing is like, when you think about like the depths of rocks, the top layer mm-hmm. is what we call in geology in college, we call it quaternary. Quaternary is the most recent time of history, ancient geology history that nobody cares about. We just call it alluvium. We're just like, who cares about what's on top? We care about what's underneath. And the underneath stuff is all the cool structural stuff. That's where you find the ammonites. But when you get into the real world and you're dealing with like oil companies and environmental stuff, all they care about is the top. They care about the quaternary and everything below, they just call bedrock. And I'm like, no, that's the fun stuff. So all of a sudden, when I get into the real world and I'm a geologist, I'm, I'm now a geologist. I only get to care about clay, silt, sand, and gravel. Those are the four things that I ever get to put on my map. My colors on my map are so boring. My cross sections are boring. It used to be super beautiful colorful cross sections because we would find all of these different layers that we could, you know, talk about and highlight. But when you're just dealing with clay, silt, sand, and gravel, it's just boring. So. I didn't enjoy geology as an environmental consultant. We did solve some cool problems, but Mm. there was also a time in the field where there were definitely coyotes and 
like a lot of ticks in the field and it was also 105 degrees heat so we had to wear like full body coveralls but then also like duct tape the the wrists and the and the ankles and then the terrain was really hummocky this is basically like doing geology on mars i think hmm. the terrain was really hummocky and had a lot of like i could easily sprain an ankle i had to wear steel toe boots and there was a point where we were getting chased by coyotes and that was that was a rough day i'm just gonna say that but that sounds really interesting we did too. do some geology that day too well okay so Lori, i have one question on a skill from zero to 10 zero being completely wrong 10 being very accurate when i think of if someone would just imagine in your i conjure in your mind alex conjure a geologist i would think uh like 10 minutes into the original jurassic park right when they're like excavating and they're like you know moving crap around and they're like here, here there's dinosaur bones right and they're like doing that like on a scale from zero to 10, how much of that is actually being a geologist? Um, actually, if you're a geologist at like a university, um, that's that's fairly real. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I remember we had one uh, older professor who would just, he was just, he had spent so much time in the field. He had his cool field hat. He would like run down the mountain. I'm like, dude, you're like 78. And he was just like, no big deal. I don't need knees. I don't need cartilage. And it was just like pew, 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 just like sprint down a mountain. How? How, how did he do that? It was like really loose gravel. And he was just, he's, he spent so much time out on those rocks that he just knew what he was doing. It wow. Was impressive. Wow. Hey, so hold that thought, Lori, mm -hmm. we're going to take a quick commercial break, but when we get back, I want to hear more about geology and then how all of a sudden you just made this career change one day. So we'll be right back, everybody. If you're all the way through your last binged podcast and looking for something new, then foundation radio has you covered interviews, politics, beer drinking, pro wrestling, Dungeons and Dragons. We have something for everyone. Stream the new episodes every Tuesday wherever you find your favorite podcasts. You can find all of our archive at foundationradio.net. You can also follow us on Instagram at foundation underscore radio. Foundation Radio, something for everyone. Are you enjoying yourself some between two studs? Well, I know I am. Well, good news. If you want to reach out to us, we've got ourselves a new email address. Between at twostuds.com Send us an email, and who knows, maybe we'll read your letter on the air. Talk to you soon. Welcome back. We're here with Lori Ike. She was just telling us all about what was her life being a geologist. But Lori, then one day you just woke up and said, I'm going to get into software engineering. Like what happened? Yeah, actually I had a little stint in between. I was a geologist and then I became a, I was trading Euro dollar features after that. So hmm. yeah, what happened was that there was a really small proprietary trading firm in Chicago that was looking for somebody to just kind of run their books. They just needed someone who like understood how like computers work and could kind of think and act logically. And I was like, I got you. I can do that. Uh, so I jumped in on that. And uh, it turns out that it was a really volatile time in 2008. Um, oh. And we didn't quite survive. But it's okay. Uh, we had good times. And but that didn't work out. But then yeah, what happened? So because I keep playing Frisbee, 
my whole my whole adult life i've been playing ultimate frisbee which means i'm on a team i've got a coach i've got teammates i've got other adults around me who have real jobs and um, my coach was the cio at a at a company in chicago and he was looking for more engineers to join his team um to build out this it's, and they were just building in-house software it was like they had a really small engineering team just kind of building stuff specifically for the people um, tools for the people inside inside the company to use. So like that's mm-hmm. cool. And this was a third party logistics firm. So we're just basically there are empty trucks out in the world and there are things that need to be shipped. And we were that arbitrator in between to to, to connect those companies together to make the make the world go round. So uh, my coach was like, Hey, Lori, you've taken a couple software classes, you've taken a couple coding classes, you know how software works. Um, and I know you're coachable and I know you know how to think. Why don't, why don't you join my team uh, as a software engineer? Basically hired me more or less as an intern, but with a very articulated path towards being an actual uh, person who writes code and commits code. <laughs> so it was great. It was actually, uh, I'm really happy. I'm really lucky he took a chance on me and I learned how, and we were writing in a language that's easy to learn. It's visual basic. This is like just, oh. you're basically writing in English. No, no, no. Everyone hates on visual basic, but it, it's because the earlier versions of visual basic were awful. When I had hired, I got, he gave me a textbook and the textbook, as I'm reading through it, it's saying like, oh, in like past versions, it used to do this, but now we do it this way. And I was like, oh God, that's why people hate Visual Basic. Um, yeah, it, I, it was I mean, bad. <laughs> admittedly, I'm still going for therapy about doing Visual Basic stuff back yeah. in the day. I mean, there, yeah. are, there are problems with it. And like, while I was, you know, doing this, while I was employed there, I also took um, MIT's Intro to Computer Science class on the side and learned Python. And I was like, oh, that's nice. So I like, yes. I like Python uh, and that's why people don't like Visual Basic. But if that's if Visual Basic is the first thing you learn and you get it just right in English, it's great. So like that was fine. So, um, you know, and I like I, I knew Java at least like from an intro class in college. So I, I understand how object oriented programming works. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I was writing code for like five years. And um, but then that company got bought by a much larger company. And it turns out if you're not like really trained properly in software engineering, uh, you, it's hard to like join a larger company of full of people who are because your code sucks. Uh, <laughs> but it turns out like I actually didn't love the software engineering part of software engineering. I liked the part where I was solving problems for users. I liked the part where mm-hmm. I was solving problems for for my my teammates, um, you know, within within the, the company. And I like the problem solving part of this. So I, I, I really always wanted to be a product person. I always wanted to be a product manager. And so when we got bought by this bigger company who actually had a product department, we had been operating without a product department um, with, with the original company for a while. And like, that was fine. But like, it was basically me and the designer and the CIO, like the three of us would regularly be on these, like reading these articles about how to build user-driven software. <laughs> like we were just <laughs> trying to do product management basically. So it was great, like being able to join a company that was actually doing that. And then I basically kind of sidestepped away from engineering into the product team. And then, Mm -hmm. but then they wouldn't give me a role that said product on it. They just gave me a business analyst role. And I was like, nah, so I pieced out. Um, (laughs) um, But it was good. I actually had some really great opportunities um, uh, after that, that I, you know, like that was what took me to, you know, the job before Dialogue Tech as well as Dialogue Tech. And I'm quite happy now where I'm at. So 
Well, I was going to say, you know, by the time I met you, Lori, you were at a point where you were in product management and you were helping create some really cool products. And I remember like, you know, I'll be just completely honest. Like I remember one of the first times we sat down and you were talking about sort of what the team that you were, you were leading and what you were trying to accomplish. And you were using terms like machine learning and AI. And of course, like these are buzzwords that I'll just be honest, everyone hears, everyone knows, but I don't think anyone actually knows what they are. Can you quickly just like in under a minute, explain what AI and machine learning are? Because they're not the same thing. Yeah, sure. So AI is like a broader, it's a broader sub, a broader spectrum of technology where you're basically a computer is doing something that a human would normally do. A computer is acting in a way that you're like, oh, a human needs to do that, but a computer does that now. That's basically it. You've told a computer to do a human thing. Cool. Machine learning is a subset of that, is a subset of AI. Machine learning is when you're like, hey, computer, I'm going to give you a few rules. And now can you just go figure it out from here on? Can you can you actually like take these few rules that I've given you and make some logical choices in the future? that aren't exactly what I told you to do, but they're going to be pretty close, more or less. But like use these as guidelines and then and then go on and make choices. Like that's machine learning. It's, 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 it's a more complicated version of the broader AI world. So is, hmm. is it fair to say machine learning is putting up the guardrails and saying, hey, I'm creating the, a basic structure and then letting from an automation standpoint, let things go? Yeah, machine learning is really where the automation comes in. Um, and that's where, uh, when people get afraid of technology, it's it's in the machine learning world. But it's it's nothing to fear. It's um, it's all just it's not like anybody it care. Like that's the thing is like all of the data that exists out there about you, nobody actually cares about you personally. And that's the hard thing to really comprehend. Is wait, uh, so my Amazon device doesn't really care who I am and. You know, outside of just a general profile of somebody with a wallet. Uh, well, okay, Alexa does love you. Alexa is my closest friend outside of my wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she always responds back to me. Always. I mm. I, I watched the movie that this. Uh, Ooh, uh, the social dilemma. It was just on Netflix. Um, yeah, it was on Netflix, but yeah, it was talking about where it pulled all these people together. Yeah, and. And with that, I, I think the kind of the thesis or really the kind of problem statement that they kind of tried to address is in the world that we live in today, we have all this data kind of going around with the ability to automate and the ability to kind of um, have a lot of predictive analytics and AI. You can really either intentionally or unintentionally uh, kind of drive some really kind of uh, very concerning um, effects. And it talked about, you know, politics, it talked about consumer behavior, there's a lot of different things. But going into the concerns that a lot of people have raised, and I think it's it's interesting, too, I know that that's been a big central focus of a lot of movies about future technology, is what happens when AI goes amok and decides that maybe we really aren't that good or altruistic. Or maybe yeah. the AI knows enough to know when we're wrong. Well, I, what are I your thoughts on the, that? I think the scariest one, the scariest movie that I feel like could is, is actually plausible is Minority Report. Um, hmm. Something that is actually predicting 
predicting future behavior and then actually taking action on that prediction um, in a way that really affects people's lives. That is mm -hmm. super, that is something that I, I, I feel like is, is completely within the realm of possibilities of AI and completely irresponsible and crossing the line. It's crossing well, the line of where, well, where we should be with AI. Because I, I don't want to get too much into psychology here, but there's always the question of do, do humans have free will? And mm -hmm. if we can accurately someday predict behavior before it happens just because we know Alex Studd. We know Alex Studd goes to the bathroom at 8.07 every morning because he gets up at 8.03. And we mm -hmm. know that he usually eats at 8.30 because his first meeting's at 9. Right? Like at what point? Are we so predictable that is it is it really free will in the first place? Well, that's the thing though, is like there's a there's a decision element of things, right? Where what what you would want if you can actually predict something like that is just information to feed into the human. You the human just needs information to be able to make the next choice. They don't need information that tells them what the next choice is. They need information based on their past choices that help them make their next choice. You give me enough inputs, I will have an output based on all the variables that you've given me. Yeah, my whoop. My whoop tells me what time I should go to bed to get hmm. best sleep. Yeah. And I'm so, like, that's so fine. Thank you. How do we actually – I mean, do we really actually have free will if, if it's really a set of inputs that are controlling what we actually do? It is. You always have the choice. You always have the choice to do X or Y. You don't have to wake up at the same time every day. You just do. And you could choose to sleep in or not. And that's that's the thing is that humans will always have the ability to choose. There is a prediction that may there there is a way that computers can predict what you are most likely to do. But that is not guaranteeing what you're going to do. That's just most likely. So given what you're most likely to do, you should have that information. Like, hey, I think that like if say, you know, there was an off course airplane that was about to land in my backyard and my my whoop knows that i'm about to go and brush my teeth and that sink is right next to the backyard and my whoop is like hey you usually brush your teeth this time but watch out that side of the house has got an airplane coming to it maybe you shouldn't i'd be like thanks whoop thanks um, whoop you saved the day yeah like that's <laughs> that's the kind of information i would want from the ai that's tracking me I, no doubt there's good and bad to everything, right? But, you know, I know Elon Musk, for example, has a lot of grave concerns about AI. He believes that the government has a responsibility. And he's a small government kind of guy, right? He's more libertarian-esque. But even he believes that AI needs to be regulated by governments. Do, do you agree with that or do you think he's off base? I don't think it needs to be regulated by governments because governments don't have enough technologists in them. Governments are like the wrong choice. I was thinking, I'm thinking about like, there are technologies evolve faster than governments can catch up. Governments are in nature reactionary. They're just slow and slow to change. And yeah, look at Bitcoin. Look at Bitcoin. Right. They're now, they're just now starting to talk about it, even though it's a technology that's 14 years old. Yeah. Like policies can't evolve fast enough to be able to catch up with technology right now. And so governments are not the right place to go to actually like legislate these things because they're just, they're full of people who don't understand how the technology works and they aren't, they just aren't up to date. They aren't ready for it. So you it know, should that, be regulated, that, but not by governments. I don't know by who. 
Yeah, it's good to see that um, every time somebody with a like with a technology degree becomes a congressperson or a senator, I get really happy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I um, I'm just like, but it's just hard to choose a life of politics when you have a background in technology because you want to do the technology, you want to do the science, but the, the life of politics, the, the political situation is just like we just need more. We just need more technologists in sure in, in politics. So, Lori, you've done an awesome job of addressing all of our career questions and interests and, and grilling you. So you've made it through two rounds already. Wow. Yeah. I did two, it. Two rounds down. I, I know when you're not solving the world's problems, creating really cool products. Your home away from home is this place called Lake Okoboji. Oh, it sure is. In Iowa. Now, most people, I, I can tell you, I hope you're not offended by this, probably couldn't identify where Iowa is on a map. Tell us about this magical place that you always told me about. And should we all be planning our summer trips there? Uh, yes, absolutely. But no, don't don't show up at the lake because it's too crowded. Uh, <laughs> no, the mm. lake is great. Lake Ogoboji is the greatest place in the world. Uh, it's where I grew up. It is a is a chain of lakes in northwest Iowa. Um and it's it's a the main lake is called West Lake Okaboji. That's the lake that I grew up on, and it's it's very deep. It's up to 120 feet deep at the deepest spot. It's a it's a they are glacially carved lakes, and then they are spring fed. So and then we've got this unique algae that's only in a few lakes in the world. Um, so it's an actual blue water lake. So it's cool because that then like the, the it's funny like when I look at like like waves and boat wakes in other lakes. I'm like, ooh, it looks dirty, but my lake always looks clean. Um, and it's really nice, but it's, it's, a, it's, it's beautiful. And the whole lake is just built around the tourism industry. And um, just enjoying the lake is, is just part of, part of the summer life. And it's interesting being a townie there because I also you know went to high school there and um, lived there year round and dealt with the very, very cold winters. But it's a great place to be from. Side question, how often do you have to correct people who aren't from there and who are trying to say, oh, it's Okeechobee, and you're like, no, 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 it's not Okeechobee? Fun fact, uh, when I was in eighth grade, we had pen pals at Lake Okeechobee. Um, my, our, our high school principal moved down to Lake Okeechobee to be a superintendent, and then she connected all of us as pen pals. And I was like, Lake Okaboji and Lake Okeechobee? Awesome. Going to take <laughs> so over the world. For well, like three months, I had a Florida pen pal. I am guilty of that. In fact, I remember, you know, when I first started, you probably remember this, Lori, but I, you know, I, I tried to get to know all the, all the product managers and get to know them a little bit personally. And I was like, hey, yeah, how, uh, tell me about Lake Okeechobee. And you're like, Alex. No, you're off by about 1,500 miles or whatever you said, right? You were nice about it. But I messed it up, right? But now I know Okaboji. Okaboji. Yep. Iowa. Yep. It's the best. We have an awesome karaoke bar. It's called Chaplin's. It's the best. Um, it's my favorite place. It's my absolute favorite place to go in the Lakes area. Uh, Chaplin's is awesome. They have the, – the, the staff there is just – lovely and nice and delightful in a way that I just can only can only have at this at this small like off the beaten path bar and 
all of the patrons, there are regulars. There's, I go there for karaoke. And all well, of the regulars for karaoke are phenomenal. They are great singers. They sing. It's fun. There's a huge mix of like country and pop music and like old timey 70s rock. It's awesome. It's so much fun. This is good to know because mm -hmm. if Between Two Studs ever goes on the road, right? Yeah. If, if we ever decide to take our show and travel across the country. Mm -hmm. uh, we got to do some karaoke. I don't, yeah, I don't know if you know Okaboji. this. We are, we are quite singer we're, we are we like to sing we're not good singers but we like to sing so right so we will make we're, we're, we're like we're like you where we, we did stuff in high school but then also got, college got rejected from the acapella choir in college yep yeah yep, that's me actually fun, we feel distraught fun fact ron will not admit this well he will but he won't he doesn't talk about it he he did a lot of high school musicals and plays you know, so so we can bring that back out, Ron. You know, and, and I think we need to do when life returns to normal. We're gonna do between two studs, traveling America, and we're gonna hit all the most important stops. We're gonna hit New York, L.A., Chicago, Lake Okoboji. You know, like those four. Those are the four. Right, the critical ones that everyone thinks about. You're right. This is a great no, plan. I, this is a really great plan. I'm on board. All we got to do is just make sure that every one of those stops has some good drinks for us, and we'll have an awesome episode. It's guaranteed. Okaboji's got you covered on the alcohol front. Covered. Perfect. Then we're you can get a whole fish bowl full of things that you can go take on your boat booze cruise with you. You're just like I'm on a lake. I'm in a. I'm floating on a lake. I'm not drowning. I'm in a boat that yep. is floating and moving. And we have a destination, which is the rest of the lake. And then eventually yep. we're going to end up back in a dock, in a hoist. and Somewhere. But who cares? Sure. That's future us. Current us, we're just floating. You're relaxing. Yeah. That's all that matters. It's great. So speaking of relaxing and having a great time, you we were talking a little bit about Animal Crossing um, and how you were really into it. And Alex and I, we, we definitely <laughs> were into it. I got to admit, I've, I've kind of put that by the wayside. My wife, she plays it diligently daily. She asks me all um, the time what my stock prices are. She does. And my wife, um, she was, I was asking her tonight. I said, are you logging in tonight? She's like, oh, no, no, no. Wisp already came earlier in the week, so I'm all good. And I was like, good for you. But she takes it. She definitely plays it very, very uh, seriously. Uh, are you still playing it seriously? And if not... What other games are you playing right now? Well, I, I, I nuked my Animal Crossing game for the third time. So I'm currently, yes, as of yesterday, spun up my fourth round of Animal Crossing. This time nice. my, my, my island is named Mars. Um, hmm. I may take a space theme this time. I'm not totally sure yet. But uh, we're, we'll, see, we're, we'll see where it takes us. I, I don't really know. I was just like, I'm bored. I'm going to just start over. <laughs> but would you say... I love it. What, what would you say is your... Your favorite mm. Nintendo Switch game because I remember sure. you were you were telling me for a long time about Zelda. You were like, you gotta yeah. get Breath of the Wild. Still the best game. Uh, but right now, I, I I've been playing Hades. Hades is mm. great. Hades is a great game. I highly recommend Hades. Um, it's it's fun. It's uh um you at first I I didn't I wasn't going to get into Hades because uh. I, I'm like, Hades, it sounds like it's just going to be like devils and zombies and just a lot of like 
like bash bash fighting game and like right I, I, like i've played diablo i mean yeah I, know I, was, I, was like, I don't i don't like like ex- extreme fighting games um but my friend a friend of mine who who i very much trust who regularly gives me good recommendations um she she recommended hollow knight hollow knight is one of the greatest games of all time oh hollow knight is awesome it's so good um but she recommended hades i was like okay i'll try it and yeah it's great. It is a great game. Uh, it's got a good storyline. It's not. It, it does take place in hell, but it's not. Uh, the 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 protagonist is lovely with a British accent, and it's uh, he's like a real person. And it's it's a compelling storyline and it's a very good character development. Um, I highly recommend it. I think it's great, hmm. especially if you're kind of player who likes to collect things. If you're like a completionist who likes to collect things, this is a huge game. Nice. Um, so Hades, great. Re- that's my recommendation. Um, but I always, I will also always go back to Breath of the Wild. I'm currently on my third playthrough of that. Uh, hey, the, the pandemic is, has really left a lot of free time here. Uh, We're not so. judging. We're not judging. <laughs> Actually, no. Gee, the game that you recommended to me, Lori, that I was really impressed with, it was just fun. Like if if you just want a mindless like RPG, because I, I I love RPGs. It's my favorite genre. But a lot of RPGs today have gotten so complicated that if I don't remember exactly what was said, I'm gonna forget part of the storyline. West of Loathing. Mm. Yay! That's you, my friend Kevin's game. That was fun, Ron. I don't know if you've played that game. It's totally in black and white. It's like totally okay. a parody of itself. And it's like wild, wild west, but like totally like laughable, just like it's fun. It's really fun. Hmm. It's it's not that long of a game. Um, but it was like five bucks or ten bucks, right? On on Nintendo Switch, like the digital. I had such a good time playing that. Yeah. It's a great game. I was I was really like I, I originally played it because I'm friends with one of the developers and uh, and then after playing it through I was just like this is this is brilliant and they you're did literally such a good job. You're literally a stick figure. Yeah. You're literally yeah, I love you're it. literally a stick figure and it's totally just like kind of a parody of itself, but kind of just like, hey, we know that the graphics suck, but that's not the point, right? It's it, we're just having fun. And I, I really enjoyed that game. Yeah, it's like a nice storyline with good jokes. <laughs> I like it. I'll have to check it out. I haven't I haven't checked it out myself, but I'm going to. And I want one of our listeners to check it out as well and to email us so we can hear all about it. I think that would be kind of cool. What do you think? That's a great idea. Cool. It's, it's a thing. Between two studs, we're going to do Let it. Let us know, and we'll read it out on the air. Yes. Uh, so, Lori, I know you kind of talked about this earlier. You said, you know, when you're at Lake Okaboji, which I know it's winter right now, but when you're there in the summertime, you said you like to just hang out and have a drink. What is that drink that you like to have? What's your go-to drink Ooh. either then yeah. during the summer or even just now? What's What are you drinking right now? Maybe give us both. Well, so I, I created – I've invented a drink that I call the Lake House. Ooh. Okay. Um, it's not super invented. It's basically a daiquiri, but it's it's just a uh, dark rum. It's two ounces of dark rum, one ounce of lime juice, and like an ounce of Grand Marnier, and then like maybe a little bit of extra simple syrup if I have it around. 
I have a friend who is a cocktail expert who is a mixologist in, in the city of Chicago. She's good at things. Um, and when I told her this recipe, she was just like, that's not a thing. And I was like, okay, good. I'm naming it. Um, <laughs> so it's, uh, it, she's like, that sounds like it's going to be really sweet. And I'm like, yep, yep, it is. So that's where we're at. Um, but it's the lake house and it's basically a daiquiri, but with like a little bit more Grand Marnier than you would normally put. And it's so good. It's what I drink when Wait, I'm in the lake. Tell us, tell us the, the, like what it part, what two parts, this one part, this, what is yeah, it? Yeah. So like two ounces dark rum. Um, I like plantation dark rum. That's a good one. Uh, what about bamboo? Can can I mix in bamboo? What's that? It's another rum. Sure. It's very tasty rum. Go for it. It's very banana-y, but it tastes Ooh, awesome. That'd be a great one. Yeah, bananas are great always. Like, especially that fake banana flavor, go for it. It's great. Um, okay. And then uh, Grand Marnier. Like, I have, like, two ounces of the, the liquor, and then you're supposed to go with, like, 0.75 of the sugar. And that's usually – it's usually going to be 0.75 ounces of, like – half Grand Marnier, half simple syrup, but I'm like full ounce of Grand Marnier. Yeah. And then just like a little bit of simple syrup on top of that. Cause it's, you know, sugar is great. And then right. like an ounce, a full ounce of lime juice as well. Cause lime juice is awesome. You know, you gotta, you gotta be healthy with your vitamin right. C. Well, and you, at all times you need to make sure you're not going to develop scurvy. Is really important. Very the important. The lake house, I don't want the drink is specifically to prevent scurvy. And pirates on Lake Okoboji. <laughs> Scurvy. I mean, literally, last I looked, four people a year die from it. It's no joke. It's scary stuff. No. Maybe, maybe you know, if our podcast ever takes off, we should, you know, we it, should dedicate it, our, yeah. our lives toward uh, our, our our podcast to eradicating scurvy. I, I was going to say, you know, I want to be the Bob Barker of scurvy. <laughs> yeah, get your vitamin C. You don't want scurvy. <laughs> Let's 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 kill it. All well, right. Kidding aside, uh, when we do our between two studs on the road, and we make our stop in Lake Lake Okoboji, mm-hmm. I want to have the lake house. Absolutely. I want to. I want to have probably two, just to really kind of. I can well, give you a whole fishbowl of the lake house. That's that's a awesome. couple of that's those, and then Ron and I will sing any song that anyone wants. You this name it, we will sing it. This is the plan I have ever heard for a road trip to Lake Ogoboji. <laughs> I'm all for it. All right. Well, one last thing, Lori, and you've been a great guest, but I want to get back to something a little more serious. This is awesome what you've done, but I've heard that you were recently published in a peer-reviewed social science and medical journal. Tell us how that really kind of came about. Uh, yeah. So that's awesome. So I wouldn't say I was published. I would say my friend Emily was published and uh, Emily and her, and her partner, Adam together, they are the actual scientists for this. And I helped a little, but that got me third author on this. So I was like, Oh, great. Thanks. Um, there you go. So I, I, I was really happy to be able to help. Um, and, but this, what this was, was we were in Okaboji for the summer and she is a professor at Georgetown in medical anthropology, Dr. Emily Mendenhall. Uh, and she had this idea where, uh, where what she was seeing around COVID in, in the lakes area, in the, in the Okoboji area, but the, the reactions that she was seeing to um, how people responded to recommendations for masking and social distancing and things like that. Uh, and, and that conflict with the the tourism lifestyle and the party lifestyle of the lakes area, um, it was really, it was a really interesting thing for her to kind of study for the summer. 
And since she was there for the summer and, um, you know, staying, staying out of the city and, and just, you know, being isolated with her parents, that was, that was an opportunity for her to kind of, you know, can reconnect with the community really, but kind of see what was, try, try to really dig into what was happening from a medical anthropology perspective. So she interviewed people all around the community. I got to help with a little bit with those interviews. And then, you know, a, her and I talked through a lot of the, the arguments that she was going to be making within the paper itself, within the, within the research itself. And uh, yeah, it was, it was great to be able to kind of hash that out with her a little bit and, and um, you know, give her an opportunity to have, have this voice to be able to um, really understand what was happening in the community of Ogoboji on a small scale uh, is something that we could actually see exemplified across the country, especially in small towns. Mm. And so that was, uh, I think that was really interesting. And she's, she's taking that research like to new, to new places. She's, she's getting, you know, she's gotten some pretty interesting interviews off of that. And um, it's, I'm, I'm so, I'm so proud to know her. <laughs> like she's, she's yeah. so good at things and it's, it's great to see um, kind of her being the voice of that research and um, where her partner has kind of brought in some of his ideas with kind of how to shape the research as well. Um, so that their, their collaboration on this has been really, really cool. And um, my ability to help a little has been great. <laughs> it's nice to do something in science again. Yeah, very awesome. Well, good for you on that as well. Um, is is this something that is available? Like, could 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 everyone read this if they so chose? How can we read it? Um, let's see. You have to be a subscriber to the journal. Uh, there's a nice article in Psychology Review that kind of summarizes the research uh, that is accessible mm. to everybody. We will link to that on our website. Great. We will. At twostuds.com. Fantastic. Lori, we have had such a pleasure having you on. We've had so much fun talking about geology, talking about video games, talking about AI and machine learning, talking about the greatest lake in the world. Don't forget the drink that we got to have at the lake. We got in the in the perfect cocktail to have at the lake. What else? I mean, what else do you want to? Is there anything you want to plug? Anything you want to talk about? Where can we find you? Uh, where can you find me? My goal in life is to be wakeboarding at all times. I just want to be on the lake on a wakeboard, just trying some shit. Um, I'm not very good, but I really like it. So that means you don't want to be found. <laughs> uh, I guess so. Uh, good enough for me it's been a sincere pleasure thank you so much for coming on the show we're gonna have to this is something i think we say to all of our guests but it's sincere we're gonna have to have you back sometime well thanks for having me i would love to chat with y'all and be between two studs at any moment anytime you're welcome and you know what when we have you on next who knows maybe it'll be your like eighth rendition of Animal Crossing. You'll, you have, know, so much, right. you'll have so much more to tell us. <laughs> yeah, right. we'll see where that geology takes us.